best word of the day is sanitize. If everyone could hold on, this is what CBS did here at HQ. All over the studio, we have these huge bottles of sanitizer. So basically, I walk around fist bumping and sanitizing. Fist bump, sanitize. Guess what? The Pittsburgh Pirates shut down spring training on an off day. Basically told everybody, do not come to the stadium. And they did a coronavirus sanitize. And then took credit, the owner, Bob Nutting, the new president, Travis Williams, they took credit saying, hey, this is what we did because in an abundance of caution, we want to make sure that everyone is perfectly clean. How about just washing your hands? I want to take your attention right now. This is happening just now. Tom Brady is in his kitchen. Breaking news at CBS Sports HQ here on Nothing Personal. Tom Brady's in his kitchen. He calls Giselle over because he hears something very quick. Hello? Yes, this is Tom. Giselle, come here. Giselle, it's Bill Belichick. Yes, Bill, how are you? Good. Um, what's, what's happening? Good. Um, Bill, what, why'd you call me? Yeah. I'm sorry, Giselle, I don't know what he's talking about either. We're about to become free agents. We've got six teams after us. We're going to get $30 million a year for at least two years. That's what my agent told me. We are in the money, Giselle. One second, Bill is still on the phone. Bill, what, why did you call me? Yeah. N yeah. That's how the phone call went today between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. In related news, there are rumors everywhere that the call did not go well. What exactly were you expecting from a phone call between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Do you think after their six Super Bowls together and all of their time that they have to do small talk? Do you think the call would go something like this? Hey, Tom, is Giselle there? Hey, go on speaker. It's Bill. I know I'm not usually this happy and gregarious and outgoing, but I'm so excited to talk to you. Yes, I want to talk about next year. I want to talk about what we're doing. We're thinking of bringing back Antonio Brown. What do you think of that? No? Well, yes. Listen, we're super, super excited. We, you know we're going for number seven. We can get it. Hey, Giselle, I think we're back with the Pats. I think everything's going to work out fine. Is that what you actually thought a phone call would be like? When you're looking for news as a Patriots fan, or if you're looking for news if you're a football fan, and you think that you're going to get it from a phone call between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, I've got something else to share with you. Those phone calls don't exist in the real world. When you've got a superstar who's been on your team, who has aged out of your team, who you're not going to bring back, the phone call is not a phone call. It's done in person. You tell your player, your superstar, your GOAT, you tell him exactly what your plan is. You don't pick up the phone and make a phone call. If you're Tom Brady and you've been the face of a franchise and you want to test free agency, don't play with the Pats fans. Don't play with the rest of us. Just say what you're going to do. I've been with the Patriots my entire career. I want to see if I can get another team into the Super Bowl and get my seventh ring with a second team because that would make me even goatier than the goat. And if you think Tom and Giselle don't want to be goatier than the goat, then I think that you don't understand what it is to be Tom and Giselle. 
So why wait for this phone call? We reported here on HQ. We reported on nothing personal. We say, hey, no word yet of any communication between the Patriots and Tom Brady. We've got breaking news. That's our breaking news, no word yet. Robert Kraft gives a small little interview where he mentions how excited he would be to have Tom Brady back. He may have been talking to someone in a strip mall. Who knows? But it's still breaking news. So, of course, the first phone call that happens between Belichick and Brady, I'm bringing to you right now, top of the hour, start of the podcast. Except it's not news. It actually doesn't mean one thing. The Patriots and Tom Brady know exactly what the future is for Tom Brady and the Patriots. If the Patriots were smart, they would be taking this story and getting in front of it instead of letting Tom have an opportunity to get in front of it. It's always got to be about the organization, even if it is the GOAT. Okay, other big news today. My guy, Christian Yelich. I got to tell you a story of how Christian Yelich signed his first contract with the Marlins. We drafted him in 2010, and he was good, and we knew he'd be good. He was young. He was an 18-year-old. We brought him to uh, the ballpark, and he was, uh, he was a kid. And we were told he was going to grow big and strong and that his power would come because he didn't have a lot of power in the beginning of his career. Not a steroid guy at all, at all. But not a bad body, just he would not do that to himself. He wouldn't cheat like that. So he eventually gets called up, and he becomes what we think is going to be, who we think is going to be a superstar. And he was great in the community. He was a perfect citizen, except for about three or four months of one year, we had a player named Jeff Baker. And Jeff Baker, you know this is business. You know that you were a bad influence on Christian Yelich. You know that you turned Christian Yelich into a negative guy who started blowing off community events, hating on Miami, hating on the Marlins, hating on all of us. And then when you left, everything became okay again. And then Yelich became Yelich again. And then he wanted money. Christian Yelich wanted a guaranteed contract. And we wanted to lock him up through several of his free agent years. So we were willing to pay him what we thought was a premium in his arbitration years in order to get some free agent years out of him. And we gave him $49 million. And the way that that contract ended up happening is that he wanted extra guaranteed years. We wanted to give him fewer. He wanted more. He wanted us to guarantee his free agent years at 12 and a half and $15 million, which at the time, he was not an MVP player. He was not hitting 35 home runs. He was not winning the batting title every year. He was not leading his team to the playoffs. This was a reach for us, but we wanted to lock up one of our young players in a reasonable way. We then can't come to an agreement. He pulls me aside during spring training. We go into the manager's office and he says to me, listen, this either gets done right now or not at all. And I said, I agree, Yelly. We're not going through this anymore. Forget your agent. Forget the GM. Forget the owner. You and I are going to do this right now. We sat down in the manager's office. No one would sit in the manager's chair. That's a violation. We both sat in the two chairs opposite the empty manager's chair. That's sort of fitting because our managerial chair was often empty because we fired so many of them. So Yelly and I went back and forth. He said, just guarantee me that extra year. And I said, okay, what if we do that or you win? He said, you got to guarantee me the second year too because we had two options. And I said, we'll guarantee you two extra years if you agree to a team option in 2022. 
Yelly looked at me and said, you'll guarantee me the first two and I'll give you the team option for the third. I said, you got a deal. So we gave him a deal where his free agent years were gonna be 12, 14, and then an option for $15 million, round numbers. Sell the team, Jeter buys the team, trades Yelich, becomes an MVP for the Brewers. The Brewers have Yelich for three more years. The media has been reporting this incorrectly, so I wanna correct everyone. Guaranteed in 2020, <clears throat> guaranteed in 2021, and then a team option at 15 million in 2022. That's three more seasons. What a team option means is that the team can say, yes, we want you back. When would a team do that? When a player is worth more than what the option price is. Right now, Christian Yelich on a free agency deal would be, let's say, 25 to $30 million. If we can get him for 15, we are gonna opt in to that option. If we believe he's hurt or non-performing and not worth 15 million, you let him go, you pay him a little buyout, end of story. The Brewers decided with three years left that they wanted to lock up Christian Yelich for an additional seven years on top of the two years plus the option he had left. And my question is why? I know why Yelly did it. Christian Yelich wanted more guaranteed money. He was always upset about the contract he signed. We've spoken to him about it. He appreciated the fact that he had generational wealth from that one contract when he was young, but he wanted more. He felt as though he was better. And I said to him, your time will come, but you got financial security that other players had turned down. And we were specifically talking about Jose Fernandez. Jose Fernandez turned down guaranteed money and bet on himself, and that bet did not work. And Christian Yelich and every one of Jose's teammates from 2016 are very aware of how quickly things can disappear. So when the Brewers went up to Christian Yelich and they said, listen, we would entertain an extension, but it's gonna be at a discount to what you would make if you keep up your performance and you become a free agent three years from now. And they got a deal because Yelich wanted the money and he got the extra $190 million. So he, his mother, stepfather, family, brothers, everybody, he's got a great family. I know many of them. They are good, good people. He has a brother in the military. Christian Yelich pays attention to the military, cares about the military. He's gonna give back. He loves Milwaukee. I was born there, I spend a lot of time in Wisconsin, I have family there. We've talked about where he lives in Milwaukee, what's it like to play there? It doesn't mean he's not a California kid, it doesn't mean that he doesn't go back to California, but Milwaukee is a great city and a great place to play. In the sport of baseball, you can become the face of a franchise no matter what team you play for. You don't have to play for the Yankees or Dodgers to become the face of baseball. If you are the best player in baseball, you are articulate and you've got desire and drive, the sponsors will find you. MLB Entertainment will find you and you will become the celebrity and star and actor and all the things that Yelich wants to be. But in the meantime, he gets to bank not just the next two years, but he also gets to bank the additional $190 million and he gets to have that security and guard against the freak nature don't forget what Yelich has been a part of, the freak nature of accidents that either can take your life, or in the case of Giancarlo Stanton, when he watched Stanton get hit by a pitch, and just like that, it could end. 
when Stanton got hit in the face by Mike Fires, and that wasn't slinging mud. That's when he was slinging a fastball. In a blink of an eye, sanitizer will not even save you from what could happen to your career. So I think that this is a very interesting extension for both the Brewers and for Christian Yelich. Here's one little nugget for you all on CBS Sports HQ and nothing personal. There's going to be a winner and a loser. This is a binary contract. It is guaranteed that either the Brewers or Yelich will come out of this contract ahead of the game. If Yelich can continue to play like this and the Brewers win a World Series for their first time in franchise history, and Yelich continues for five or six of these nine following years to be an MVP, top three, top five MVP, Trout-like player, the Brewers win. If the Brewers, however, cannot build a winner around Yelich because he has too much of their payroll and their revenue does not become any higher than it is and they've done a great job running that team, then this deal ends up hurting the Brewers. They're going to have to trade Yelich during the course of the contract and then they'll have to get at least one or two teams to pay all that he's owed if he's not performing. A real wait to see, a very interesting contract, but it's good to understand the mentality of why these sorts of contracts get done by both the team and the player. A-Rod, what do you do if you're A-Rod? I get it. So A-Rod puts on a tux, he goes to the Super Bowl, he dances on Instagram while his fiance is, dan- is, is doing the halftime show. He's engaged to J-Rod. A-Rod's engaged to J-Lo, so they're J-Rod or A-Lo, whatever they're called, they've come together. So A-Rod, J-Lo. A-Rod, do you remember A-Rod? The most hated man in baseball by the commissioner's office. The most despised player on the field ever signed a huge deal with the Texas Rangers. Out of control. Back in the day, $252 million to A-Rod when the next highest bid was the Atlanta Braves, not even close to 200 The agent in that case, I'll give you one guess who it was. His first name is S and his last name is B. Scotty Boris signed him to a contract that was just brilliant by Scott. A complete overpay. Three teams ended up having to pay for that contract. It was so bad. On top of that, Alex Rodriguez was a straight steroid guy. Absolute, no question. You're in the industry. You know he is doing steroids. Period. End of sentence. A-Rod, I don't do steroids. I've never done steroids. I do not do steroids. He lied through his teeth. He then, you want to see a movie? We reviewed it on Nothing Personal. We've talked about it a little bit at CBS. It's called Screwball, directed by Billy Corbin. Go watch it. Learn about A-Rod and Biogenesis. This guy was suspended after appeal of a, for 162 games. This is the lowest of the low. Liar. All of a sudden, something changed. All of a sudden, he became a major broadcaster, a popular figure, a beloved figure, not just because he's engaged to JLo, which, by the way, is not the cherry on top of his Sunday. That was both a scoop of ice cream, whipped cream, and the cherry. I'm not saying they don't love each other. What I am saying is it's pretty convenient for both parties. A-Rod becomes a lead analyst. Not Tony Romo, but not bad. Then he goes on the air and he goes crazy on the Houston Astros. Scorched earth. 
saying the Astros are cheaters. How angry he is that the Astros have not been contrite. How angry he is that they will not own up to what they've done. Really? A-Rod, it took you years to own up to what you did. And you only owned up to it because in the face of every bit of mounting evidence, way more than exists about what the Astros did, way more, you not for a minute showed an ounce of contrition. But now you have done the Revival Festival. You're on the circuit. You want to be an owner. You are looking for 23 votes for you to get approved because you want to be Derek Jeter. You want to be better than Derek Jeter because you're still competing with him. So you go scorched earth against the Astros. That was bad for two reasons, Alex. One, unlikely that Jim Crane is really going to want to vote for you should you come up for a vote to become an owner in baseball. That means instead of going 23 for 30, you don't have to go 23 for 29. The second thing is that. Why is it that you have the right to call people out because you showed contrition after the fact? Why wouldn't you come out a little better and say, listen, I understand exactly what's going through the minds of the Astros. This is how you could be a value-added analyst. This is how you could approach Tony Romo, stratosphere. I totally understand what the Astros are going through. It is so hard to admit you've made a mistake because as a player, we have to have such an ego to perform at the level we perform at. We have to believe that everything we do is not just above board, but if it's not, that we're never gonna get caught. We never believe we'll get caught doing any of the things we ever did. And this goes in our personal lives as well. And then when we do, we can't believe it, we deny it. We say it's not true, it didn't happen. We then stick with that, didn't happen, didn't do it. I will look you in the face and say, I didn't do it, we didn't do it. I get what you're doing, Houston, but it took me years. My advice to you is you start now. You could have showed contrition in your first press conference, but you didn't. You could have come out and said what you did was wrong earlier, but start today. Don't do what I did and wait so long, because then you have to get engaged to JLo. All you have to do is take the camera now Defend your team, defend your honor by admitting that what you did was wrong and that you will do better every single day. If you do that, then everything will be okay. But instead, A-Rod took this tone that I didn't appreciate and everyone in the industry felt the same way. Everyone sort of looked at him and said, wow, not only is that you're the wrong sort of, it's like having the pot called, calling the kettle black. It's just the wrong mouth through which that message should be given. I want to hear what the Astros are going to do to show more contrition as the season goes on. I want to see it through their performance, both on the field and off the field. And for A-Rod, if you want to become an owner, I want to see you counting votes the way you were when you and I were having lunch when you were trying to buy the Marlins, when you were counting what it takes to get the 23 votes. And we talked about you've got to know the owners and you cannot offend an owner because you will lose his vote because they don't forget not sure why Rod did what he did. It's going to change, though. You're going to see it. Mark my words. You will watch A-Rod do everything he can to get into baseball as an owner and leave that network and leave his job as an analyst. And as far as the Astros are concerned, watch for this as this happens throughout the season. A lot of banging. Okay. I want to talk about Chris Bryant right now. And uh, why do I want to talk about it? 
Something happened that I can't believe. There is a, uh, I went to Horace Mann High School, and uh, Horace Mann is in the Bronx. It's in Riverdale. I loved it. It's a great school. It was the subject to a ton of controversy while I, while, uh, not while I was there, but during the years I was there, 20 years later, there was tons of accusations of pedophilia, tons of bad things that were going on at my high school. And all I knew is that I was learning how to speak very, very good English. I was learning math and calculus and science, and I was running track and having fun and hanging out. It turns out that there was another Horace Mann alum. His name is Ron Blum. Ron Blum works for the Associated Press. Ron Blum's job is to get what no one else can. We've talked about it on here on Nothing Personal before. Somehow Ron Blum gets access to stories and to evidence that no one else gets. I always told you that when MLB would send an internal memo, I'm putting my sanitizer away because it's totally distracting me. I had a big box of sanitizer on my table because we were cleaning up my hands, which I continue to do in this petri dish of an office in which I work. They've got 50 people sitting within five inches of each other. It's a joke. And to save money and space, they're putting us even closer together. They're making the chairs thinner. Literally, I feel myself getting sick while I'm rubbing elbows. By the way, I sit next to Mariah, who I'm, it's a dream. I get to sit next to her instead of some of the other malcontents on the other side of the room. But the reality is that we're so close that when one person gets sick, we all get sick. But don't worry, we've got sanitizer. Anyway, Ron Blum gets everything. He got the release of the entire report that the arbitrator released in the Chris Bryant grievance. So what we gave you word of it, nothing personal, was that Chris Bryant was not going to be awarded extra service time and granted free agency early. As you recall, he's plays for the Chicago Cubs. He was called up on April 17th of a particular year. By calling him up on that day, he then becomes a free agent after two, in 2021 instead of in 2020. That's an entire year of extra time with the Cubs because he was called up one day later like on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. He filed the grievance, it took years. We all wondered what was in that report? What did the arbitrator say was his reasoning? What was the testimony given by Theo, Epstein, Yelly, Bulldog? Ron Blum got it and now we have it. I gotta read you some things because it's, uh, it's hard to imagine. So, let me give you a, just I'm giving you a few facts of what came out in the arbitrator's opinion. This should not have gone public. One of the things when I was a president in baseball, not one arbitrator decision should ever go public. That is the rule. We didn't leak any of them when we won. We didn't leak any of them when we lost arbitrator decisions. You respect the sanctity of it, because if you go public and if you've got a show like nothing personal, then there's going to be some embarrassing moments. And guess what? We're there. Here we go. The arbitrator wrote, among other things, the Players Association could not satisfy its burden of proving that the Cubs' assignment of Bryant were done in bad faith to mask service time manipulation. The burden of proof was on the union to show that Theo Epstein kept Chris Bryant in the minor leagues on purpose with nefarious intent, a nefarious motive, Done in bad faith. Every time I have sent down a player for service time manipulation, we've always done it in bad faith. 
There's always been a nefarious motive. Every single time. Go ahead, grieve it. Come on, everybody. Come on, all my former players, grieve it. Guess what? It's the law. We followed the rules. All we had to do was say, hey, you're not a good defensive third baseman. All we had to do was say, hey, we need you to get two extra hits at AAA, and then we'll call you up in just a jiffy. Or maybe all we had to say is, we have some people in front of him that we think are just a little bit better. It's a lie. We lied to you every single time. It was always done to manipulate service time. You think that Theo, for one second, called Chris Bryant to the big leagues one day after he would have been eligible to be a free agent a year earlier? Are you kidding me? But the arbitrator went on to say, this is too good. This is like, I I love it. I have a tear in my eye. I don't know if you can see it. The fact that Chris Bryant amassed the worst fielding percentage of any third baseman in baseball during spring training cannot be ignored. (laughs) Do you know what? Chris Bryant's fielding percentage gets ignored by everyone in baseball. But it says here, it cannot be ignored. Next, the Players Association was not able to produce memos, emails, or texts from Theo to show he had a nefarious motive at variance with his public comments. Can I please explain to you what we teach our GM? We have actual conversations with our baseball employees. Let's be clear. When we do not bring Miguel Cabrera up to the middle of June, we do it because we don't think he's ready. Don't you text me. Don't you email me. Don't you talk to me on a landline. Don't say one word about the fact that we've calculated exactly when Super 2 is, that we know exactly when we're going to call him up in advance. Don't even mention it. The only thing that we are going to put in his file, the only thing, is an email that says, no, he's not ready. He has had some issues at double A. We are concerned about his maturity. (laughs) It's a joke. He was 19 when we called him up. What, he became mature like from May 1st to June 22nd? It's so preposterous, I can't even tell you. Okay, last one. The union referred to a slide made for Epstein's presentation to Cubs ownership on March 19th of 2015 that indicated Chris Bryant would be under club control through 2021. But the arbitrator said that this presumptive position was not evidence of deceit. This position was not evidence of deceit? Ladies and gentlemen, When we put a team together, we know exactly when every player is going to be a free agent. We have a list. We have a document that we have. You think it was an accident that Chris Bryant was not going to be a free agent until 2021, back in 2015? You think the entire thing wasn't planned? It's it's laughable. It is ridiculous. But guess what? The union doesn't have a leg to stand on. Because the burden of proof is too high, and Theo's too smart, and we're too smart. Every team is too smart. Don't worry, Blue Jays fans. A lot happened between the beginning of the season and when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got called up. A lot of minor league improvement. A lot.
That made me laugh. Thank you, Ron. That really did. Ron Blum, Associated Press. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Okay, I got to say you want to talk to Samson today that made me smile too. There is a, um, a saying that goes the following. There is nothing more limited than being a limited partner of the New York Yankees. There is nothing more limited than being a limited partner of the New York Yankees. That's when George Steinbrenner was looking for partners. George Steinbrenner did not like having partners. I know a thing or two about limited partners, been in litigation with limited partners practically my whole career in baseball. Limited partners have an inflated sense of what being a partner is. Out of nowhere, someone DM'd me at David P. Sampson. Thank you for doing that. By the way, don't forget to rate and review. Please go and, and on Apple, if you're listening on Apple, Five stars, review it, and you can ask a question. We're dropping a bonus pot at the end of this week uh, for, the end, for the month of February with your questions. I will also do it at the end of March, just like I did it at the end of January. Ask some good questions that are more sort of long-lasting, and I'll either do them for So You Want to Talk to Samson, which is obviously a totally baked reference, or I will do it at the end of month pod. So I got one recently that said, why would anyone want to be a minority owner of a baseball or any other sports team? Hardly anyone knows who you are, and you don't get to make decisions about players. And if the team is losing money, you are too. God, that's the cutest question I've ever heard. Thank you so much for asking, because it gets me to talk about limited partners. Let me explain to you why people become limited partners in baseball teams, minority owners. Um, it starts with an M and ends with a Y. And then it starts with an R, and it ends with an N. Okay, do you have it? Coca knows it, because during the day when he's not producing the show, he, I don't know if you know this, but he is a financial whiz. He is in the market. He's buying and selling gold and silver and bronze and pork bellies. He's looking at cruise companies and, and, and Peter Pan or Robin Wright or something. This guy is on the, on the ball. It's called rate of return. It's called money. When you invest in a professional sports team, you are going to make money. On an annual basis, you may have to answer capital calls, but over the long term, it is an investment that any hedge fund would dream of if you've got a good club president and maybe even a good general partner. On top of that, you get the opportunity to feed your ego, not publicly, but privately. Do you know how cool it is to walk into a room and say, yeah, I'm a limited partner of the New York Yankees? 
Hey, do you know George Steinbrenner? Yeah, we get to meet once a year. That's not what people ask. They look at you and they see your World Series ring, which was part of being a limited partner. They see that you have something that barely anyone has. It is a huge ego play, even if you're a limited partner. You get free swag, which means like spring training shorts and shirts and stuff that every limited partner could go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Models or wherever. And is Models still around? Mitch, are you still around? Mitch Modell was a huge Nick fan. I used to love watching Nick games with him. That's when I was a, a young, young guy. You could go to Models, buy everything. No, limited partners do it for money, rate of return, and ego. Ego. It is intoxicating when you're at a party to get to say, that's what I do. I'm a limited partner. Except, guess what they say? Okay, pretend we're at a party. We're going to do one right now, and I'm going to explain. This answers the entire question. Okay, you walk into a party, you may or may not have arm candy, whatever your proclivity is. Could be your wife, could be your girlfriend, could be your boyfriend. Makes no difference. I'm an equal opportunity storyteller. Walk in, introduce yourself. Hey, how are you? Hi, my name is Ted Nugent. Hey, what do you do, Ted? Because in America, that's the number one first question. Do you know when you meet people in Europe where no one's going because of coronavirus, but when you do meet people in Europe, no one cares what you do. That's not like a first question on a date. It's not a first question at a dinner party. Hey, what do you do for a living? Hey, where do you work? That is merely the question asked of people who don't have the intellect or the ability to actually dig deep and learn what it is to talk to someone instead of talking about someone. But anyway, you walk into a party. Hey, what do you do? I'm the owner of the New York Yankees. That's how every limited partner for every sport introduces himself or herself in every party he or she goes to. Notice the grammar, Horace Mann. Use of pronouns, singular versus plural. I am the owner of that team. They don't say I'm an owner. They say I'm the owner. No one's going to dig deep and say, oh, you're not George Steinbrenner. There may be a follow-up question. Hey, I thought it was George Steinbrenner. Yes, that's my partner. That's how you would describe the, the public face of the franchise. Everybody wants to be a minority owner in baseball. They're lined up out the door. Thank you. So you want to talk to Samson? That's what it was. Okay. Um, I got bad news for everyone. And, I, and I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, we talked about a documentary called The Devil We Know. I watched a movie yesterday called Dark Waters. Dark Waters is with someone like Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo was in Begin Again. He is a very unbelievably talented actor. Many of you notice only know him because he turns green and gets angry and rips his shirt off and has a body better than Lou Ferrigno. Look it up. But the reality is Mark Ruffalo is a brilliant, brilliant actor. He's in a movie called Dark Waters. Dark Waters is about the DuPont Chemical Company and their invention of a chemical called a forever chemical. It's called C8. It's a fluorocarbon that exists in everybody's body. Yes, if you're watching this or listening to this, you've got C8 in your body right now, and it's poisoning you, and there's nothing you can do about it. You may not die tomorrow, but you are guaranteed in the next 150 years, you will die. Why is this such a horrible movie? Because DuPont, and this is a true story, DuPont lied to everyone about Teflon. Teflon is what's on your raincoat. Teflon is what's in your frying pan. Non-stick Teflon, 
the thing that everybody uses everywhere. Try living your life without Teflon. It is a pain in the tuchus. Try after watching this movie to live without Teflon because you're gonna try for two days after you watch it and then you're gonna give up and you're gonna shrug your shoulders and you're gonna say, you know what, eh, eh, what are the odds? What are the odds I'm gonna die of this? Well, in actuality, babies were born deformed. Instances of cancer skyrocketed with people who worked with these chemicals in West Virginia. This takes place, by the way, Coke, is this your hometown or your college hometown? Did you grow up in Parkersburg, West Virginia? He grew up in Dumont, New Jersey. What's your affinity to West Virginia? That's your college, right? Is that near Parkersburg? Morgantown, is that near Parkersburg? That's what I'm asking. Okay, he said yes. I get the feeling that West Virginia is sort of like everybody thinks of West Virginia. Everything's very close together. There's a town called Parkersburg, West Virginia, where DuPont had a plant, and that plant had runoff, and that runoff was going into the water supply, and babies and cattle and people and adults were becoming sick and dying and born deformed. This is an absolute true story that got uncovered by one defense attorney based in Cincinnati, Ohio, a man named Rob Balot. Rob Balot was an ordinary lawyer, sort of a schlemiel as played by Mark Ruffalo in this movie. And for 20 years, he went full Aaron Brockovich. And he went against DuPont and got the largest settlement, $670 million. Spoiler alert, $670 million DuPont had to pay. Here's the problem. The profit that DuPont makes, that chemical company, DuPont, is over a billion dollars a year net profit from Teflon. Net, not the whole company, just from Teflon. Just from that proprietary chemical, that basic chain, the carbon chain it's called, C8, with fluoride as well. It's bad news. It's scary to watch. The question is, what do you do when you watch a movie like that? My answer is that I tried to go without Teflon for 25 minutes, and then I wanted a fried egg. What are you going to do? You're going to have to use Teflon, hope for the best, and on top of that, just use sanitizer. Okay, uh, a few minutes on Zion Williamson, because I think that there's something going on here that we all have to understand. Uh, Articles are beginning to come out now, and I've spoken to some NBA friends about this. People are losing their mind about Zion Williamson. They believe that he is the next Jordan, the next LeBron. And it's not just because of what he's doing on the court. It's what he's doing off the court. A report came out from a deal he did with Fanatics. Fanatics is a company where you do an exclusive deal and they will do your memorabilia for you. So when players aren't signing autographs and they're blaming it on coronavirus, and they're taking advice from their leagues, what's actually happening is that they have a deal that they don't want to sully or lessen the value of their autograph and their game-worn memorabilia, etc. Zion Williamson is toward the top, in the top 10, top 5 of all memorabilia of any player. Think about that. The guy who will not even win Rookie of the Year this year because John Morant should win it and will win it because he's been doing it all season long and Zion just came back. But what he's doing, scoring 25 points a game, helping, they lost last night, I think 139, 134, he had 25 or 26 points. He has been phenomenal. But the pressure on Zion is tremendous. 
And what I would say is when I had a player like this where everyone was looking at this kid at any rookie, and this happened with Dontrell Willis, let's say, a young guy who comes up and is an immediate phenom, going to be the next Cy Young. Zion Williamson going to be the next MVP, the best there ever was. The number of players who are supposed to become the best and end up not succeeding is way longer than the number of players who are supposed to become the best and do become the best. Don't forget that LeBron James is an anomaly. Bryce Harper on the cover of Sports Illustrated at the age of 15 and becoming a $330 million man, that's the anomaly. The majority of young phenoms peter out and you just don't hear about them. So if I'm Zion Williamson, I am surrounding myself with veterans in this league and I am making sure that I stay within myself. I am not believing the hype because as soon as you believe the hype when you're 20 games into your NBA career, to me, and this is purely anecdotal, you have a 50% chance of becoming irrelevant within five years. Wait to see. And Zion, don't be afraid to work in a salad. Okay, pick of the day. Um, I think I may want to stop doing picks of the day. Unless, of course, you want to win money. If you want to start betting based on my picks of the day, then please do and I'll keep doing it. I just want to hear more from you. I get a lot of DMs, a lot of comments. People constantly are saying, by the way, the Zion salad remark was not personal. That is business. Come on. Okay. Do you think the Bucs can beat the Pacers by 11? Yeah, I'm taking the Bucs. Sorry, Milwaukee. To me, it's a freebie. I asked Coca. I'm 16 and 23. I asked him whether I could have this worth seven because for the Bucs not to crush the Pacers coming off the loss against the Heat, I think that um, it's, a, it's a lock. It's an absolute lock. Just make sure you take the Pacers. Bucks minus 11. Okay. Um, wait to see is going to be a full topic today because uh, something happened that strikes close to me, and I want to talk about it. Um, have you heard of a player called Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> Coca, did I get the first name right? <laughs> Coca, can you pronounce his first name, please? I got it right. Marshawn. I just, you know Lynch, the guy with the Seahawks, Super Bowl winner, and then he came back and played in the playoffs for the Seahawks again. Great story. Sort of an articulate, smart, great guy, great player. He was asked by Princeton, Princeton University, Ivy League school, to be the keynote speaker at commencement. That is a huge honor. And it went viral that the students of Princeton wrote a letter to the president of Princeton saying, according to the headline, Princeton, students upset that Lynch is commencement speaker. That is not what happened here. Headlines are clickbait. I get it. We do it when we do nothing personal videos. We try to get you to click or have search terms where you'll come to our video first or you'll click it because it'll be something about some scandalous topic. Lynch was asked to be the commencement speaker without consulting the students. The students wrote a letter to the administration saying, we want a seat at the table. We want the right to have a say in who the commencement speaker is. That's like a Major League Baseball player walking into my office and saying, you know what? I think the season ticket prices behind the plate should be $4 cheaper. 
guess what? Do your job. A student's job at Princeton is to do well in school, enjoy school, try not to break any laws, don't do anything that will impact your ability to become a Supreme Court nominee 20 years from now, and that's it. Go to your commencement and then get on with your life. It is not your job to have a seat at the table to decide who your commencement speaker is going to be. Do you wish it would have been the President of the United States? Of course. Do you wish it would be someone with more gravitas than Lynch? Maybe. Wait till you hear his speech. What if his speech is outstanding? I went to Yale's commencement for a reason. Theo Epstein gave the commencement speech, and people got a little, oh, Theo, we're Yale. It should be president, senator, congressman, astronaut. You know what? Theo was fine. He was charming. He was sort of funny, if you know baseball. Plenty of people didn't know who he was. Plenty of Princeton seniors will not know who Marshawn Lynch is. But listen to what he has to say. There's a good chance that he will have a message. He'll have a message about humanity. He'll have a message about overcoming adversity. He'll have a message that you'll actually be able to use. So while you're so busy trying to get a seat at a table in order to get someone of greater gravitas, why don't you make sure that you have a seat at the table making sure that you are doing something that makes your school better? Have a seat at the table where you're not trying to get headlines by creating problems, where you're actually doing something as a student body to make the lives of other students around you and students coming behind you even better. Do something about quality of life. Do something about tolerance or diversity. Something that will indicate that you've made a difference in your community, in your collegiate community. Because all that's going to happen is you're going to get a few clicks on cbssports.com, cbs.com, other websites, and you know what? People are going to forget about it. But if you make a difference on your college campus, that's something that legacies are made of. And then you get to walk right into that president's office when he has a commencement speaker who's not good and wait to see he's going to be good. He's not even going to mention this. And you can look right at your president and you say, hey, by the way, that was business for me. That was nothing personal. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.